You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. So from chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was written a name, the mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth with those names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other is not yet to come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Those with him are called chosen and faithful. He also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh and burn burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. 
for all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendid and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of these things, who became rich from her, will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, who was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth, for in a single hour she was destroyed. Rejoice over her, heaven, and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, 
Babylon the great city will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all those slaughtered on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. All right, leave that open. We're going to have to motor this morning through that. We won't get to every verse, not even close, but um, keep it open. Um, I, was, uh, I was 10 years old when Rodney King was beaten up. You remember that? Anyone else? 1991? Rodney King beaten by four police officers, and uh, it's what sparked the LA riots that just about destroyed the city of Los Angeles. And uh, the thing about it was that it was caught on video, which, I mean, today everything's caught on video, right? But at that point, the fact that they had captured this footage of the man being beaten by police was really explosive. And um, I, re I remember just quite viv vividly, actually, watching that footage and being outraged. Like, the police, especially as a 10-year-old, like, the police are the good guys, the robbers are the bad guys, and yet here the, the, the police were you know, engaging in such brutality and uh, I couldn't make sense of it. All I remember feeling was this outrage, this in injustice, and then of course it was compounded when the four cops were acquitted um, when it went to trial and I just remember thinking this is wrong, this is wrong. And uh, as a 10-year-old, I expressed my anger at the situation through going to my room, shutting the door, and, and just pumping up my Sony Ghetto Blaster with super bass to, uh, to um, the new Rage Against the Machine album, which had just come out at the same time. Their, their, their kind of um, most popular track, Killing in the Name, was written about this situation, like in light of this situation. And I remember just feeling like, yeah, this is, th these guys are saying what I feel, you know? And uh, yeah. Some of the lyrics actually to that, that, that song on that album written about that are, were really um, evocative. Um, yeah. It says, you justify those who died by wearing a badge, you're the chosen whites. Um, some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. <clears throat> burn crosses. Like highlighting the kind of inherent white supremacy in the, in the police force in the early 90s in America. And um, 
yeah, I just remember being driven by what I assume, I mean, may, maybe part of it was growing up in a church and, and having this idea of justice and, um, and judgment, but I, I think all of us, and we talked a little bit about this last week, we have this sort of inherent sense that bad stuff should be judged, good stuff should be rewarded, like bad, bad guys should be exposed, and not just exposed, but to receive judgment. This, is, this seems like it's just the way the universe is put together, threaded through, is just this idea of justice. Might be what's behind the explosion in popularity of true crime. Anyone a true crime fan? Like TV shows, books, podcasts especially, true, true crime podcasts? Um, it's just you and me? Okay, it's a bit weird. Uh, so podcasts, are, it's like radio on demand, all right? And you can just, you subscribe, and uh, we'll talk about it later. But, but podcasts, true crime podcasts, I've listened to a few. I haven't listened to as many as most of the women I know. They're overwhelmingly popular with women. I think 73% of true crime is consumed by Women, and the theory is that um, women, because they're more vulnerable to being the victims of crime, uh, are more interested in hearing about it so that they can learn of the threats and also so that they can experience the satisfaction of hearing about justice being served. Like, evil is exposed and evil is dealt with. And um, anyway, that's some of the research into that has sort of revealed that. But I think. while it might be, women might be more sensitive to that sort of concept, I think it is really part of our DNA. And that's really what these two chapters are about in the book of Revelation. It's about exposing evil, and not just exposing it, but dealing with it. It's not enough that evil is unmasked, like it's good that that happens, but we need it to be dealt with. It was good that those four cops were caught on camera, but if they have impunity, if they, ca- if, they ne- if they never serve time, then that's not enough, is it? In fact, sometimes it makes it worse to, to, to witness something and to know who the wrongdoer was and then not to see any justice done. Almost worse than it not happening in the first place. In this, these two chapters, evil is unmasked, it is exposed, and it's dealt with. That's kind of the story of chapter 17 and 18 in that order. So let's read a little and chat about it. So verse 3 to 5 says this. This angel, John says, carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with every detestable, everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and of the detestable things of the earth. So here's what's going on here. Around the same time that I was watching Rodney King get beaten up, I was also watching Scooby-Doo, all right? Scooby-Doo fans? Come on. Saturday mornings was always cartoons 
for my brothers and I, and Scooby-Doo was one of our favorites. Now, Scooby-Doo, the, what you were anticipating, what you were looking forward to at the end was the unmasking of the bad guy, right? So it would normally be someone dressed up as a monster or a ghost or some kind of villain, and at the end would be unmasked, and ah, it was that guy. It was the principal of the school. It was the local governor or whatever it was. And they would be unmasked, and then justice would be served. Well, here, this, is, this is what's happening right here, except kind of in reverse. So you have a, in this case, a whole regime, uh, institutional government being unmasked, but being revealed to be a monster. You with me? So here you've got Babylon the Great in the first century when this was written. That, that's Rome. That's the Roman Empire. Uh, and you've got Rome being revealed, not as, like, on the surface what it is, is a beautiful city, seven hills, togas, buildings, right? That's not the real Rome. The real Rome is revealed as a prostitute riding a beast. That's the unmasking. That's the exposure of evil in this case. Now, Babylon, as a kind of symbolic, uh, is, is kind of symbolic of any oppressive regime through all of history. Any regime that's built on injustice and oppression, tyranny, that's Babylon. So in this case, it's Rome for the first readers. In the Old Covenant, it literally was Babylon or the Assyrians or whoever was oppressing God's people. In our day, I'll let you fill in the blanks. But there has always been and always will be until this day oppressive regimes bent on not just the oppression of people and not just the destruction of their enemies, not just the heaping up of wealth, but we see here primarily opposition to God, opposition to the Lordship of Jesus, opposition to God's people. That's the unmasking that's going on. That's what it reveals about who Rome is under the surface. Let's just read a little bit about what Rome's been up to under the surface. Verse 6 to 7. Then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. So Rome, at this time, first century, as you probably know, was kind of fixated on killing Christians. Uh, it, the, the, the kind of, it was law for Rome, in not just Roman citizens, but anywhere Rome ruled, which was like a third of the universe, um, or at least the earth, uh, that Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. Uh, Caesar is a son of God. Caesar is divine. Caesar is Lord. So then you have a whole bunch of Christians, growing number, 
constantly growing, explosively growing, who are saying actively, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. And for that, they get killed. They get crucified. They get fed to lions. They get torn in two. So Rome, the prostitute, is drunk on the blood of the saints. That's the situation in first century, the first century Mediterranean. And that's what these seven churches that John is writing to are experiencing day to day. They would have resonated with this so much. This would have made, honestly, a lot more sense to them than it does to us. So let's try and understand a little bit more of their world and how it applies to our world. Let's peel back the mask a little bit more, expose a little bit more of the evil, verse 9 to 13. The angel says, This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads on the beast, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Rome, very famous for being built on seven hills. See them to this day, obviously. On which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns, you saw are ten kings, or Caesars, I think who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings when the beast, with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose. What's their purpose? We'll see in a second. They have one purpose. They give their power and authority to the beast. So you have this unifying power in the beast, unifying the powers of the earth, who themselves are unified in their desire for power at any cost, and all of them are arrayed against the lamb that was slain. The only true king of kings and lord of lords. So some of that that we just read is a little bit obscure. Some of the language is hard to grasp. Some of the imagery is obscure, but you need to know that the, the, the original readers of these letters would have totally got it. It would have made total sense to them. Now remember, our first question whenever we're studying the scriptures is to ask, what did this mean to the original audience? We need to stop being modern Westerners who think everything is about us. And while the application question is important, like what does this mean for me, the first question we ask is, what did this mean? What did the original author intend this to mean to the original audience? That's what we're trying to do here every week as we open the scriptures together. So they get it immediately. They know that Babylon is Rome, and they know very viscerally in their own experience what Rome has been doing to the church ever since its beginning. And so this is written to give them encouragement, like God knows what's going on, and encouragement, as we'll see, that God is going to triumph over all of his enemies. 
So here's, here's what's going on. Here's the purpose of this regime. Und, underneath, like if you look at Rome and just, and just read Roman history, you will see that they are on this mission to own the world. Right? The Roman Empire is unstoppable. They just go from place to place, conquering everyone with their centurions. They're the best trained warriors around. They are pumping tons of money into funding their armies. They have amazing... Um, uh, war strategists who are overseeing each of these armies and they just go through just mowing down everyone that they come across and then instituting the Pax Romana, Romana the, the peace of Rome, which is essentially like you will have peace here so long as you do everything that we say. That's what's going on at the surface. But this revelation, the unveiling, is, is the unmasking of what's really going on beneath all of this empire building. What's really going on is verse 14. The real battle is this. These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's a... That is a, that's a incendiary statement that is an explosive statement like if a Roman picks it up and reads it he's like he's gonna go nuts because he's saying Caesar is not Lord the Lord of Lords the King of Kings is a slain lamb those with him not with Caesar those with him the lamb who was slain are called chosen and faithful. That's like a declaration of war against the, the greatest empire the world has ever known. And that's what's really going on. That's the unmasking of this whole situation. You can, you can read the, the anthropological history as much as you like, but what's going on beneath the surface is outright war against God himself. So this is, the, this is the ultimate message of Revelation. This is the unveiling. The ultimate message is that despite what you might see on the surface, there are spiritual forces at work beneath everything that you see going on around you. Ultimately, they are forces opposed to God himself. And the message of Revelation is the lamb that was slain conquers in the end. God wins. The lamb that was slain conquers in the end. Evil is not just exposed, it's dealt with. Evil always does its thing in the dark. It's always shady, it's always behind closed doors. Evil is almost always hidden away. The book of Revelation turns the lights on, right? It pulls the curtain back. It exposes the evil and then promises that it will finally be dealt with, defeated. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor, right? The darkness is exposed. He called out in a mighty voice, it has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. 
similar to Jesus' words last week, it is done, right? This is the end. Empires rise and empires fall, they always do. We might be witnessing the fall of the, the US empire even now as we live and breathe. Empires rise and empires fall. That's the normal pattern of history, but here the empires are falling never to get up again. There's only going to be one empire left, and that's going to be the empire of the Prince of Peace. Not everyone's happy about this. As is always the case, people have things to lose when evil is exposed and defeated. Lots of people have a lot to lose. So you got verse 9 to 14. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Goes on. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple silk and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products. Objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, grain, cattle and sheep, horses, carriages. Apple products, Nike shoes, and slaves. Human lives, human souls made in the image of God. This is the truth of every oppressive, tyrannical government that's ever lived. Oppressive regimes always, always go after sex, money, power. Empires rise and empires fall, but those three things are the object of every oppressive regime, sex, money, power, at any cost. When the judgment comes, they are robbed of all of those riches. The riches that they've built up on the backs of human beings are taken from them. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendor and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. Final judgment. All those toys that you accumulated through oppressing others, through rejecting God's lordship, through war, through prostitution, sex slavery, any kind of slavery, all of it will be taken from you. No one will ever trade in that stuff again. That's the God of justice bringing judgment. That's good news. It's particularly good news for the countless people this very day who are indentured servants, who are slaves. 
more slaves today than there's ever been in the history of the world. And they will be delivered. Because any regime that pursues sex and money and power always, always, always oppresses the poor and the weak and the vulnerable. They are the true victims. Poor, the weak, the vulnerable. We are shielded by, from so much of that reality through willful ignorance. We don't want to see it because then we might have to stop buying the cool stuff we like. But also through just this force field of marketing spin that makes all of those things that we want so much look so good and glamorous. And we are blinded from the reality of the system that produces them, which leaves in its wake countless slaves in the pursuit of money and sex and power. Revelation is revealing the truth. And once the truth is revealed, I mean, you can either ignore it, which means you're unrepentant, which means you'll face judgment, or you can listen and by God's grace be convicted of the truth and change. Change your ways. Don't participate in institutional oppression of others. Evil, to put it more directly. You might say, what, what can we do? It's one thing for four cops to be exposed or, you know, the bad guy in your true crime podcast to be exposed and judged. We're talking about whole regimes, whole governments, whole systems. Powerful. How are we going to take them down? Well, we're not. God is. God is going to take them down. You can participate now in the taking down of those institutional powers. You can be part of the army. I think God is calling us to be part of that effort. But ultimately, the real takedown is going to be done by the lamb who was slain. You get this announcement. It's a very evocative announcement of what's going to happen. Verse 21. Babylon is going down. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone, like a large millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, in this way, Babylon, the great city, remember, representative of all oppressive, tyrannical, unjust powers for all of time. In this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. You're going to look for Babylon on the map? And you're not going to find it. In the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth, you'll never read about a sex slavery ring being exposed. You'll never read about someone getting beaten up by cops or anyone else. You'll never read about any kind of tyrannical, oppressive regime because they're never going to be found again. They're going to be thrown down, every one of them. This is good news. That day is coming. It's the day of the Lord. 
might be today. Now, I just got a final word because I got a couple of minutes. I got a final word for the Christians who are here today. Now, this is for the Christians. What is this, these couple of chapters saying to you? Because it's mainly about how those powers are going to be judged, right? What, is it, what does this mean for me? To the Christians who are being oppressed, the victims of unjust powers, it's saying a whole lot, right? It's encouragement. Stay faithful. The Lamb who was slain is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Those who remain with him, the faithful ones, will be vindicated. Stay faithful. But what about those of us who are Christians but probably have more to do with the tyrannical powers than the victims? We get a word. We get a convicting word, all right? Verse 4 of chapter 18. It says, Then I heard another voice from heaven. This is the voice for us. Come out of her, my people so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. That's the message to us. Come out of Babylon. All of us here this morning, in some sense, are living in Babylon, right? We're living in a world that is characterized by injustice. We live in a world that doesn't share the values of the kingdom of God. The values of our world are money, sex, power, get them at any cost. Right? And so we live in that system. But we need to live as kind of like political dissidents, right? We need to, we need to, be, we, we need to be part of the resistance. We need to know how the world works so that we can resist its charms, its, um, its rewards. Come out of her says the voice from heaven. Come out of her so that you won't share in her sins, right? So you won't be part of that system or receive any of her plagues so that you won't be judged. This is a call to repentance. So you can sit here this morning and I know like whenever I've brought up like how we should be buying stuff that's you know, not made by slaves and that it's, that's, that, that's environmentally friendly and stuff like this. I, I swear to you, I've talked about so many things that are potentially offensive. I've never heard so much pushback than when I'm talking about clothes. I don't know what that reveals. Listen. This is, a, this is a voice from heaven. Forget about me for a second. This is a voice from heaven just coming to us straight out of the scriptures saying, come out of her, my people. Don't participate in Babylon. I love what Jesus prayed for his disciples, John 17. He says, I, I, Father, I don't pray that you'll take them out of the world. I pray that you'll protect them from the evil one. He doesn't want us to leave Babylon in a sense. Like, where would we go? Babylon is this world. We don't leave Babylon until we're taken out. So, don't, Father, don't take them out of the world. I need them in the world. I, I, they need to be salt and light in the world. They need to help establish my kingdom in the world. Don't take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. 
So that, that's just what I'm saying. All right, you live in Babylon, whether you like it or not. Now you need to be protected from evil. Sex, money, power. There are powers at work in the world that we can see, governments and organizations and businesses and banks and armies, right? There are things that we can see and they are being mobilized by forces we can't see. They're being energized by the beast, by the dragon. Revelation is trying to say, see it. Unless you read it, you won't see it. That's why it's called Revelation. So how are you going to come out of Babylon? You've been told. How are you going to obey? Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to overcome your ignorance? Ignorance is no longer an excuse. You've been told to come out. You've been shown the, the structure of powers that are opposed to God. It's over to you. Be gr- something great to talk about in your small groups or around your family dinner tables. What are we going to do to be part of the resistance? God is ultimately the one, the only one, who can take down these powers forever. But in the meantime, we're the resistance. We're the, we're the guerrilla fighters. We're, we're, we're doing what we can to just like cut, a, cut away at the Achilles tendons of these beasts. They're at war with God and with people made in his image. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, thank you, Joe. Last part of Jude gives really good instruction on how to live in the midst of a world that is occupied by devils, all right, and governed by some of them. So, that's a really good foundation. Like, that is solid foundation straight from Scripture. You need to do the next step as well, which is getting specific. How are you participating in Babylon's schemes? And how are you going to cut it off at the knees, right? How are you going to repent? Those who repent receive grace and mercy, forgiveness forever. 
even if you've participated in the sex slave industry by being addicted to pornography, or the regular slave industry by being addicted to fast fashion, right? Everyone who's participated in that, who acknowledges it and repents, is forgiven, ushered into the kingdom of God where there is none of that stuff to tempt us anymore. Those of us who call ourselves Christians, who like Babylon, refuse to repent, will be judged along with her. Destroyed, never to be found again. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. Clear? I really hope it is, you know, because here's the truth. Jesus said every time the word is preached, Satan, like a little bird, comes and pecks it away, swallows it up, and you get nothing out of it. If this world is occupied by dark forces that are opposed to the kingdom of God, then of course they're active among us, wanting to like smooth everything out, protect your soft little heart, don't don't be convicted, don't change, right? So I'm just going to pray that God would smoke this joint right now. That's a weird way to put it, that he would just... That God would just (laughs) eradicate all of the vermin and uh, be gracious to us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Um, Thank you for your revelation to us this morning. And I pray that it would be clear in our minds what you're calling us to do. And uh, thank you for Joe's um, prophetic word there from the book of Jude. Please make this place a, um, a church like that where we would be built up in our faith, where people who are close to the fire would be rescued and shown mercy, where we would, we would hate anything that's been defiled or impure. Lord, that we would be in the world and not of the world and you wouldn't take us out of this Babylon, but you would protect us from the evil one. Please bless conversations in small groups and around tables this week. Maybe um, after church today, Lord, bless those conversations. Open our eyes more, particularly into how we are participating in this, uh, in the evil of this world. Thank you for your gracious call to repentance. May we respond even now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to give you that time to reflect. Just be judging what you've heard this morning. Don't just take it all. Don't swallow it all whole. Ask God for discernment. Ask him for truth to be revealed. Ask him for strength and power to respond. We're going to do that for the song that, um, that the band will sing for us now. So just stay in your seats and then, um, then love is going to come and intercede for us.
that my God is the ancient of days. None before Him, none before Him, all of time in His hands, for His of day. 